You mean Gordon Ramsay? Yeah, you could be Gordon Ramsay with that intense look on your face. <laughs> what do you mean by that? I'm I, I'm going to stop right there. Welcome back to Winnie and Bill Chat. This is episode number 12. And today we're going to look and discuss some of our favorite photos over the last two years. Yeah, so today we've just pulled out some of our personal favorite photos to talk about. Um, Bill said two years. They may go back even a little longer than two years. Or did you say few years, Bill? I said a few years. Okay. Probably more than two. Yeah, probably more than. We have thousands and thousands of photographs and I hate to I hate to even imagine how many we have saved on external hard drives and whatnot but a few photos really stick out in our minds as our personal favorites and it's not necessarily because they're our best photos it's just because they have meaning to us the story behind it or the memory that it brings back is what's important to us so we're going to call this week's episode our personal favorites. Before we get started, I just want to thank Anchor Podcasting Platform for having a a free place to create and record your podcast. If you feel like you have something to say or you just like to talk and you want to create a podcast, Anchor's the place to go. It's free and it's pretty easy. If we can do it, you can do it. Thanks, Anchor. (laughs) So I'm going to pull up our pictures today, Bill, and get going. The first picture is one of my very favorite all-time photos, and it's not a photo that either you or I took. Do you remember who took this picture, Bill? I believe this was a picture that Lauren's friend Ryan took when we were out there for the first time in this particular space. Yeah, the very first time that we traveled to Montana and Wyoming was to pick up our daughter, Lauren. She had worked a seasonal job at Big No. Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Yep. At Yellowstone. She worked at the Lake Yellowstone Hotel and it was the end of August and she needed to get back home to go back to college. And so Bill and I did a road trip, our first trip out there. We drove to to uh, Yellowstone and met up with Lauren and she she showed us the sights for just a few days. It was a very quick trip. And on one of those days, she and her friend Ryan showed us the Teton Mountains, which are spectacular. And if you ever get out to Yellowstone, be sure to to plan a day in to get down to the Tetons and and explore that area because it really is quite breathtaking. So the picture um, that we're referring to, and you can look at our pictures on our Instagram, which is Quiet Shutter Photo. And I usually try to post them to our Winnie, um, Winnie, underscore bill facebook page too um but this picture is a a picture of one two three four photographers and myself and the photographers are all lined up at mormon row in the tetons and they're very serious photographers they have their cameras are all on tripods they have the best of the best equipment a few of them are wearing vests that look like fishing vests, but they're really photographer vests that have deep pockets that you can put lenses and the other equipment in. And um, they've got 
Boy, they've got looks like the best of the best cameras. One fellow is holding a filter, a neutral density filter. And and these guys were just so serious about getting the, their pictures of the molten barn with the Teton Mountains behind them. And um, we had made such a quick trip out there. The only camera we had with us was a little point and shoot camera, eh, Bill? Yeah. Yeah, I think we spent a whopping 49 bucks on that one. Yeah. And also, I think this was before smartphones were really the common thing. So you you didn't even have a phone to take pictures with. This is just a little one of the very first point and shoot digital cameras. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty early on. And I just thought it would be hilarious if I got in line with these serious photographers and held out my point and shoot camera. <laughs> So there I am in the midst of these photo- these photographers who are really taking themselves very seriously. And there I am holding out my little point and shoot, taking the picture. I I got such a, the guys actually played along with me. Do you remember that, Bill? That- yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they were getting a kick out of what you were doing as well. I kind of said to them, hey guys, I want you to look like you're really, really working hard to get your picture and I'm going to. I'm going to stand right in with you with my little camera. <laughs> but after we got done, um, one of the gentlemen said to me, so what part of Canada are you from? <laughs> I think just in the few words that I exchanged with them, they detected a little bit of Canadian accent. I grew up in Canada and uh, I moved to the United States when Bill and I got married in what year, Bill? 1985, September 14th at 7 p.m. (laughs) Very good details, Bill. So I've lived in the United States since then, but evidently I still have traces of my Canadian accent and they picked right up on that. And so after they asked me what part of Canada I was from, I took a chance and said, what part of Utah are you from? (laughs) Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City, because... Anybody who was that intent on taking the best of the best pictures of the Mormon Row barns and houses, I, there's a pretty good chance that they have a Mormon connection. And, and sure enough, these guys were from Salt Lake City. Right. You know, the, the thing I'm thinking about this picture now, though, the reason that we actually went to that space to begin with was in, in the background of this picture, up in the hills of this picture, there are actually uh, remote campsites that Lauren and her friends used to go there on the 4th of July and camp. And you can see the whole Teton mountain range from up there. And it's quite a breathtaking place. Yeah. There's a chance we've talked about that on the podcast previously too. But in this picture, you don't see the impressive Teton mountain range because the photographers are of course pointed to it. And the picture is pointed at the photographers, but the little foothills you see in the background. And by little foothills, those would be ski hills in Michigan. <laughs> oh, higher than Boyne Mountain by a long shot. Yeah. Probably twice as high as Boyne Mountain. Yeah. But Bill's right. There's um, what would be the equivalent to a forest campground up in there yeah, somewhere. It, it actually is a state forest campground up in there. And it has the most spectacular view of the Teton Mountain Range. And boy... I hope we have a chance someday, Bill, that we can camp. Yeah, it's just tent sites. You'd never get a trailer up in there. But oh, good, it is. goodness, no. There's Climbing up that mountain to get to the camping sites was, number one, a dirt road with a lot of washout areas. A lot of washout. And it switched back to a little bit. Yeah. So I can't even imagine trying to pull even a pop-up camper up there. It would 
it's got to be tense. Yeah, it would probably wouldn't end well. Yeah. So every time we go out west, we try to hit the the Tetons. I, you know, sometimes we're taking the same photo again and again, but every time it's different. But this was our first. And I don't know, this picture just makes me smile every time I see it. Yeah, it's a good one. All right, we're moving on to the second photo that we have here. And I'm going to let Bill talk about this one. So the second photo actually is uh, is a photo of two um, fox pups that were... Um, well, let me interrupt. What do you really call fox babies? Because I think there's a d- number of different names you can call them. Kits, I think is what... Pups. I've heard pups. Yeah. Pups. Pups. Kits. Well, pups. Kits. What was the first thing you said? Pups. You said pups. Hmm. Baby fox, anyways. B- baby fox. Yeah. But this, um, these two are... Uh, they were pretty close to where we found them. And the one little baby fox has the tail of the other baby fox in his mouth. They were wrestling around playing like little kids do all the time. And uh, we had come upon, um, we actually got a tip from one of my relatives actually that was out mushroom hunting and showed me some pictures on her cell phone that uh, she had taken. And I said, really, where are those? And she told us pretty much where they were. And we went and later on that day and actually found um, there was, I think there was at least three in that group. But their mother had made a den in a culvert. And um, you can kind of see if you look really closely in this photo here, you can see just a little bit of the edge of the culvert in the picture yeah, behind yeah, the grass. They, they would run from one end of the culvert to the other, and you'd see them pop out of the ground like 10, 12 feet apart from each other every once in a while. But they are intent at looking at something off the edge of the picture. And what we're pretty sure it was was their mother was across the road, and she every once in a while would make a little barking noise and all of a sudden they would freeze frame what they were doing. And most of the time they would run back into the culvert like, Oh, we weren't supposed to come out here. (laughs) Yeah. Bill found the Fox before I got home from work that day and had taken a few pictures himself. And then we went back that evening and took more pictures and probably for about a week, we would try and visit those Fox at least once a day, it seemed like. Yeah, they weren't very far from here. And then one day they were gone. Um, I looked it up and fox will um, spend the first four weeks of their lives pretty much just in the den. You know, little babies that are totally dependent on the mom to feed them and keep them warm and safe. And then at about four weeks, they start to come out of the den and they play with each other a lot. And just like humans, I guess, play is also learning and they're, they're learning how to run around and wrestle and, and a little bit take care of themselves. Cause at this point, the mom will go off and hunt and leave them alone and then come back to the den. So they're left alone quite a bit. So if you ever come across a, a den of fox pups um, and you think they're abandoned, they're not, they're probably not. There's probably the mom um, or the mom and dad are just out hunting and looking for the next meal and they'll be back. So um, don't think that you need to rescue them and take them away and they're fine. Um, but so these 
these guys must have been at least four weeks old or a little older because they were in and out of their den and romping around and playing. And it was absolutely amazing and fun to watch them. We would just, it was just on the side of a dirt road. So we would pull, pull our car on the opposite side of the road and just kind of sit there and, and try not to be intrusive. But it was, um, it was great photo opportunity and a lot of fun to watch, to watch them. Yeah, they, they really, they knew that we were there, but they, they didn't care. I think their mother probably was a lot more anxious than they were about the whole thing. We we never did see the mom, but we knew she was there because like Bill said, you could every now and then you could hear a little yip or a little bark. And when you heard that, boy, those little baby fox, they they paid attention. And sometimes if they started to spread out a little too far away from the den, she would make a noise and they would they would go back in and and eventually start sneaking back out. But she was keeping a close eye on him. We we couldn't find her. No, we looked really hard to try and spot her. And, and she she was hiding from us probably more than anything. But um, she definitely wasn't very far away. We probably took hundreds of pictures of these little fox pups. And lots of them are really great, fun pictures. But this one really stands out the way the one has the other one's tail in its mouth. And... They're adorable. Yeah, they had just been like wrestling back and forth and everything, and and uh, when mom made a yip, they both came to attention, and it was just kind of a funny picture we caught with the one had the mouth or the tail of the other one in its mouth. So it was just kind of cute. The first couple of days that we visited this spot, we only saw the two, and then I think it was the third or fourth day that um, we started to realize that one of the two fox would always look a little different. And then finally we put two and two together that, you know, one would go in the den and a different one would come out. And eventually we caught them with all three at the same time, but, but they were, they had us fooled for a little while. Yep. All right. Next picture in our series of our favorites is uh, a picture of our family, Bill and I and our kids, Andy and Lauren. And um, this is also at Mormon Row, this picture. Um, it's a black and white photo. And the picture is not so much about the scenery as it is just about our family. Um, in, at, this picture was taken on a trip that Lauren had worked at Big Sky for a season. And we drove out at the end of the season to pick her up. And uh, we convinced our son, Andy, to go with us. So Lauren was done with college, I think, at this point. I think so. And I think that this must have been like November, I was just looking October. In, in, the, in the background of this photo, you can see yeah, quite a little bit of snow on the mountains yeah. themselves. That's at the very base of the Teton Mountains. But there's quite we're, a bit of snow in there. We're just wearing lightweight jackets, though. Yeah, so the grass been... is all burned off. Yeah. We talked Andy into taking this trip with us. He was going to college. He was going to a community college and living at home for that semester or maybe for that year. I don't recall. Um, and Andy had to make arrangements with his professor professors to have a few days out of class and, and get his assignments or, or get permission to turn his assignments in remotely or whatever. And so it was kind of a big deal to get him to do that. And we drove out, which it's a long trip from, Michigan to Montana. And it takes a couple days to do it comfortably. And uh, the first day 
Andy was pretty disinterested in the scenery. And the second day, Andy was pretty disinterested. You drive across um, um, Wisconsin and Minnesota. And although beautiful country, pretty familiar to someone who lives in northern Michigan. And even when you get to, um, well, of course, North Dakota is just kind of plains. It's not terribly interesting. And even when you get to the east side of Montana, it's... Teddy Roosevelt National Park is probably pretty interesting to look at, but there's a lot of long periods of driving that, and I think Andy was starting to feel maybe a little bit like he'd make the wrong decision. It seemed like a long, boring trip. Right. But as we got into the mountains, he perked up. And uh, one thing that at first annoyed me is Andy seemed like he was on his cell phone all the time. Until I realized that what he was doing was every time he saw something amazing, he was texting his friends about what a cool thing he just saw or texting pictures or um, so. So we went down as we feel like everybody should when their first time out to Montana, Wyoming, as we went to the Tetons. And um, that's where this picture is taken. I don't remember what year this is, but that's been a few years ago now, right, Bill? Like. Oh, five or six years ago, at least. Maybe even seven or eight. Yeah, must be because Andy and Sarah have been married for six years now. So maybe eight years ago. Yeah, time goes by fast. And when I dug this picture out of our files, I um, noticed that the file is titled Confused Family. (laughs) (laughs) Must have looked like we all had a confused look on our face. And I think we were trying hard to all fit into Lauren's selfie she was taking. So. This picture was just taken on Lauren's cell phone. Yeah. If um, if you get a chance to look at this picture on our Instagram, um, to the right of the picture, and it's kind of cut off a little bit, there's a sign in the background. Looks like it's held up with a, a few. Looks like a pile of rocks. Pile of rocks, yeah. Up. Yeah. But the sign says, warning, closed beyond this point because of bear activity. Right. And we have seen that sign at Mormon Row off and on over the years. Um, imagine living there back when they actually farmed the area and having a grizzly bear just wander through your front yard. Not to mention the bison that wander through there. There is a the pretty too. good herd of bison that live in that area of um, Jackson Hole that you often see roaming through. And bison can be very dangerous, but. That's pretty picturesque to see a herd of bison with the Teton Mountains in the background. Yeah. So I chose this picture as one of my all-time favorites just because um, we're all together as a family and uh, with our adult kids. And and this was uh, the last trip that we would take together as a family, just us four. Both of our kids are married now. So any further uh, traveling that we do with family will include spouses or or whatever the family looks like at that point. But this was our last trip, just our last family trip. And it was the best trip ever, wasn't it, Bill? Yeah, it really was good. We all got along pretty much the whole time really well. And we saw beautiful things. And uh, we were traveling in our Toyota Camry, four of us with our luggage. And Lauren's luggage, once we picked her up, was her whole belongings that she'd had for a whole season so she had a lot of stuff we were i think we even went to a pack and ship place and shipped a couple boxes home i think we did because it just didn't fit 
One thing I do remember, Andy got a little annoyed with us on the trip home because he kept uh, discovering towns that we would be going through that had a Best Buy. And he was in the market for a new desktop computer. And he just thought we could stop and buy a new computer and take it home with us. And I mean, we really were so packed in that car. We were sitting on pillows and blankets and we had, you know, small suitcases under our feet and the trunk was completely full <laughs> yeah it was uh everything was compact we had a particular way to pack and unpack our suitcases every time we stayed overnight somewhere on the way home yeah that was funny we'd open up the trunk and we knew we lined up like in order of who got their suitcase out first and then in the morning we would line up to whose suitcase needed to go in first because it had to fit just like a puzzle it had to go in there one way and that was the only way it was going to fit yeah. And he kept thinking, well, I can just carry that computer, just sit on my lap. I'll just hold it on my lap. Yeah. For a thousand miles. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> he was a little mad at us for that. But other than that, it was a really fantastic trip. Yeah. Maybe I, now that I'm thinking about it, I may have gotten a little annoyed on the trip home because I thought that we were going to break the trip up into a couple of days and we would take the Southern route home and see Mount Rushmore. And I quickly got outvoted on the Mount Rushmore trip because that would take a few more hours than the Northern route home. And everybody was anxious to just get on with it. But I had made them all agree that we would still at least have one night in a hotel to get good rest. And when we should have stopped at a hotel, it was my turn to sleep and I was sleeping and they decided to just keep going. We made it home in 20 hours. It wasn't that bad. It was horrible. We were exhausted. And we were not seeing straight. And we stopped in Spread Eagle, Wisconsin to take pictures of some eagles. I guess we dropped Lauren off in Marquette, didn't we? I think so. I think she was staying there. I'm very confused about the timeline on this. But um, in any case, it, it, we did a straight through drive through, and I hope to never do that again. That's too much getting too old for that right all right our next photo bill so the next photo that we have chosen was actually uh it's a is a picture of a barred owl that uh, we actually spotted um this is on right on the edge of us 31 going up um, just past Levering, going to Mackinac City, and I'm not even sure where we were headed, but uh, it was... Oh, I know where we were headed. It was snowing pretty good, and we were going along, and you know how sometimes you just something catches your eye, and it's like, was that what I thought it was? So we whipped around, and it was actually kind of... We should have never stopped, because it was sloppy roads, and and it wasn't the greatest of weather conditions, but we turned around just to take a quick look, and sure enough, here's this... Barred owl, probably 20 yards off the road, sitting in a tree. And uh, we just got a chance. Actually, the snow let up for probably 10 minutes. And was just, you can see in this photo, you can see just some fine snow coming down. And it was kind of crazy how we got just a break in the weather when we were able to um, get some pretty decent photos of this owl. And... Um, just sat there and stared at us for quite a while. Like it didn't want to go anywhere either. And uh, we were actually, we were heading up to the UP to try and find snowy owls. That's what we would be 
shooting pictures of that day with snowy owls, but uh, this was a bonus on the way up there to find a barred owl. Um, and like Bill said, it was a pretty snowy day. Um, we took pictures for how long do you think we were sitting there? Half hour on the side of the road or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the weather started getting bad again. The weather we did. I mean, it this, it let up long enough for us to get some really good pictures of this owl. But we also have pictures where you can barely see the owl because the snow was coming down so hard. Right. This was taken end of March and maybe very early in April. One of those, you know, late snowstorms. Late that, snowstorms. It was pretty heavy, wet snow. This barred owl was pretty cooperative. Um, and there's something about being in the, I mean, we were sitting in the car on the side of the road, so we were staying dry, but, um, the area where this owl was is pretty wooded on both sides of the road. And that time of the year in Northern Michigan is pretty quiet. So there wasn't too much traffic on the road. And there's just something magical about being out in the woods in Northern Michigan when it's snowing, because everything gets very quiet and, uh, kind of closes in on you a little bit, you know, and, and it having that owl just right there, letting us get pretty close to him and getting good pictures. It was, uh, we were excited. We were pretty, we were pretty pumped up after that was. Yeah. I don't even remember if we got snowy owls later in the day or not, but that was definitely a bonus for that trip. And I don't think we've taken a picture of a barred owl since then either. We've seen a few of them, but I don't know if we've actually got any pictures of them. Uh, You know, just recently, this spring, we saw a barred owl in this same location, general location. It didn't stop. It like flew across the road in front of us. Right. We turned around and looked and never did find it. We never did find it. it. I think it just kept on flying as far as that goes. But The barred owls are are unique. They're brown and white uh, markings. And they have a really bright yellow beak, but their eyes are black. Yeah. And it gives them kind of a spooky look. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, You the sun would have to hit them directly in the face to get any kind of glitter, glimpse or any glitter. Any detail in their eyes. Yeah, yeah. they just see, seem to be sunk way back in their head. But um, they're definitely uh, aware of what's going on around them. The barred owls are pretty vocal. Um, I'm not going to try to mimic their call, but uh, if you're in the woods and you hear an owl, there's a pretty good chance it's a barred owl. They they like to make noise, and um, it's kind of a common owl. Um, they're not the biggest owl. I think that, um, oh, I read how big their wingspan was, and I don't recall what it is, so I'm not going to guess, but they're smaller than a snowy owl. Um, we've yeah, they're they're smaller than the great horn because great horns will actually kill them. Yeah, great horned owls are one of their predators. Yeah, as well as raccoons and weasels. Um, I but I can't imagine a raccoon killing a bird. But I think I that what I read was that a raccoon will take advantage of them when they're sitting on a nest of eggs. Ah, uh, well, that and makes so sense. they're more vulnerable. But actually, the statistics show that the biggest enemy for a barred owl is getting hit by a car. Yeah, and I've seen a few of them hit by cars. That's, I think they dive across the road after another animal of some kind. And Yeah, like a lot of animals and birds, they um, tend to hunt along the side of roads because, you know, there's lots of roadkill. That, that's easy, easy food that way if... If a, a squirrel or something is hit by a car, then that's pretty easy pickings for an owl. 
And uh, but when they do that, they risk their lives by getting hit by a car themselves. And that's the worst thing for them. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the biggest killer. Yeah. Barred owls also are not migratory and they tend to live within a certain territory their whole lives. So it's if you see a barred owl like we did this one and then saw another barred owl just recently in the same area, there's pretty good chances the exact same owl. Or or a close family member. Yeah, they do sure, they yeah. do stay in the same space quite a little bit. So that was an exciting capture and a fun experience for Bill and I and that's why this picture is one of our personal favorites. Right. So this next picture, I don't know if Bill likes that I included this, but this is one of my personal favorites. And it's um, a portrait of Bill in his chef coat. So Bill has been a professional baker um, for 36 years, now, a long time. Um, And this picture, he didn't uh, necessarily ask to have a portrait done of him in his chef coat, but um Either Lauren or Andy, and I believe it was Lauren at this time, both of our kids have taken photography classes in college. And um, I believe that this picture was taken because Lauren had an assignment where she needed to to take portraits um, for her class. And so she was home and we set up, um, we draped a black blanket over the side of the deck outdoors so we could use natural light. And... um, and I don't know whose idea it was for dad to get his chef coat on and and sit in for the portrait. I'm not sure that the look on your face in this picture means that you were happy to be doing this. You look, told me not to smile, so I did. I yeah. Anyways, I and I can't be a hundred percent sure who took this photo, whether it's one of the ones Lauren took or whether it's something I snapped. Um, so I won't give photo credit to anybody, but um I love how this one turned out. Picture of Bill. His chef coat looking very stern, like maybe he could be. Um, who's the mean chef on TV all the time? You mean Gordon Ramsay? Yeah, you could be Gordon Ramsay with that intense look on your face. <laughs> what do you mean by that? I'm I, I'm going to stop right there, but I think that this picture was also taken on film. You know, not a digital photo. I believe the class Lauren was taking. They used um, film cameras, and I had a film camera still at the time had made the jump to digital so this picture goes back a ways yeah yeah because i don't have nearly that much hair and i certainly don't have that much color and what hair i got left either (laughs) you look good i should do another picture of you the way you look now because handsome guy different hat so this is one of my personal favorites (laughs) and our next picture is uh, a favorite of mine, but it's one that Bill chose as his personal favorite. So I'll let him tell about this picture. This picture is actually a picture of a white mountain goat, which was kind of a of an animal I've always hoped to catch a picture of or a glimpse of because they live in pretty high elevation. And this is a, a an adult. Think it's a male. I'm not really sure. But. You know what? I I did a little research, and both male and females have horns. So it's so it I guess unless 
he moved his leg a little bit there, yep. he or she. No junk goes revealed in this picture. <laughs> We're not sure whether it's a male or a female. To me, it looks like a male just by size. Yeah, it's it's a rather large mountain goat. And uh, this was taken in Yellowstone National Park. The goat is uh, up on a rock. He's actually got his front feet up on a tiny little rock. Um, and he was posing like, hey, you like my boots? Yeah, <laughs> the white, the, the feet, especially the front feet on these goats like their um their hair's really short up to the the knee on these animals so it looks like they're wearing these fancy white boots go-go boots go-go boots they look like uh yeah they're uh they're little dancing boots and And they can dance because they in this picture it's hard to tell this goat was really high up on a mountain edge and they are just they're big mammals but they're very agile and they can maneuver themselves really on pretty sheer cliff faces even and they just jump from one rock to the other and they you know generally they just move around without any effort yeah what he was standing on in this picture was pretty uh flat but we saw him come down the the rocks from uh you can in the back of this, in the background of this picture, you can see how the rock went up even higher than where he was at in this photo. Um, and they had come down there and they just like ping ponged off the rocks like it was no big deal, just jumping around. It was crazy. What was these there another goat do. with him? I don't There was two, two others. There was, there was two. another adult and there was a baby, and we never did get a picture oh. that turned out of the babies. I'm looking um, also intently at this photo. And if you get a chance, again, you can look at them on our Instagram, Quiet Shutter Photo. The, um, and I never noticed this until looking at it just now. Do you see the logs that are by the rocks that he's standing on are burned? Yeah, those are fired. There, there was several spots. In, well, there's always spots in Yellowstone that are burning from forest fires. But uh, this was a pretty significant burn. Um, and, and the trees had had uh, survived that were there. You can even see some of the the pine trees that are green. The base of their uh, trunks are even uh, got a little bit of burn on them. A little char. Yeah. This was in an area called Norris in Yellowstone, which I think it's the only, we've been to Yellowstone several times now, but I may have been one of the only times we got to drive through Norris because it's very mountainous, and they're always doing construction on the roads in there. And uh, it seems like every time we're there, they're doing some construction and have that whole section of the the road in Yellowstone closed off. I know, and in our minds, once they open that road up and we get to go on it again, we're going to expect to see those mountain goats in it that same be spot. Right where we left them, <laughs> they, which is ridiculous for us to think yeah. that that would happen. But um, mountain goats, although they they are in Yellowstone, obviously, but they're they're one of those elusive animals. They're not like the bison where you see them all over the place. To see a mountain goat is um, pretty special. Like Bill said, they live high up in the mountains and often just not accessible to see. Um, so we were pretty excited when we saw a, a mountain goat. You see bighorn sheep more commonly, and they're also up in the mountains often, but the goats are are more rare to see. So that was pretty exciting. Yeah. And, and they typically are even higher elevation than, than the bighorn sheep are. 
The other thing that I remember, the story behind this picture was that this was one of the first pictures we took with our long lens, our right. 150 to 600 millimeter lens. We had taken the trip out to see Lauren and in Bozeman, there's a camera store that you can rent lenses from. And re I highly recommend renting lenses that you think you might like. And that way it's a good way to spend just a little bit of money and try it out and see if it's actually a lens that you like or you think you would use often. So um, a 600 millimeter lens is a pretty expensive lens. And uh, rather than buy one, we rented for the week that we were at Yellowstone. And um, and this was one of the very first pictures we took with with the lens that we fell in love with, but Bill really fell in love with and named the lens Pearl. This might've been the photo that made me think I got to have this lens. Yeah. We, we rented the lens, but when we took it back, we ended up purchasing it and taking it home with us and no regrets. That lens has changed our photography, being able to get up close and personal with wildlife without having to encroach upon them has been just a real treat. Yeah. I remember we were, where we were taking this picture, um, there had been several people that stopped when we we're trying to take pictures or a lot of times what happens in Yellowstone, if somebody's pulled over on the side of the road, other people will stop and go, what are you seeing? And we happened to have been um, spotted these um, goats and we were actually letting people look through the camera lens and everybody was pretty fascinated to be able to see them because they, they weren't obvious where they were uh, perched up on these rocks either. So it was kind of fun to be able to share that with somebody else as well. It was kind of fun on that trip to carry that big lens around because <laughs> people, people thought you were a big shot <laughs> and still, know. and still to this day, if we have our big lens out and we're in Yellowstone or other places, well, especially Yellowstone, uh, people will stop and ask us for, um, for, help with taking pictures. You know, a lot of times people go out there and they buy a new camera to go to Yellowstone, but they aren't that familiar with their camera yet. And so we've often had people approach us and say, you know, I'm really struggling to get good pictures with my new camera. Can you help me, you know, what settings I should use and whatnot, which is so funny. Just because we have a big lens doesn't mean we, we know everything. We can help, but we can help. But we certainly not in Yellowstone. The lens that we own is not a big lens compared to some of the ones. We've oh seen my gosh, it, it's a good lens. But some of those those and we've come across National Geographic type photographers in Yellowstone. Right. And they have prime lenses that are 800 millimeters or not. The end of the lens, the glass is the size of a dinner plate. And oh, it makes us envious. Right, Bill? <laughs> yeah. That's a big ticket. Though. That's a big ticket item there for sure. I'm going to move to the next picture. And this one was one I chose as one of my personal favorites. And this is just an ordinary everyday photo. Um, it was winter. Um, we were just back here at Park of the Pines. And um, Bill had been out plowing snow. And he came in the house to have some lunch and uh, heated up some soup. And he sat down on the sofa next to me and in a rare moment of sunshine in northern Michigan in the, in the winter, um, some sun was shining through a window and it just lit up the steam that was coming off of the soup that Bill was eating. 
in a way that when I looked over at him, I said, oh my goodness. And I grabbed a camera and I said, hold still. I've got to get a picture of this. So it's a picture of Bill in profile sitting on the sofa, eating a bowl of soup, which sounds pretty ordinary, but the light is just lighting up the steam off of the soup. And Bill's got the spoon poised to his lips about to take uh, uh, a spoonful of soup on a cold winter day. And I don't know if this picture would be impressive to anybody else but me, but when I look at it, it just takes me back to that moment in time. Cold winter day outside and a nice hot steamy bowl of soup inside and, and the light just hitting you just right. So this is one of my personal favorites. I got a wild hair coming off my head too. Must have had a thought going on there. I should have photoshopped that wild hair off the top of your head. Yeah, I'm sure it's not with me anymore. So we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> we will celebrate every hair you had on your head. Yeah. <laughs> but your hair at this point is starting to, as opposed to the picture earlier of you in your chef coat, you've got a little more grace, a little more salt and pepper in your hair, um, which I always think makes for a more interesting picture. Um, Works for this one. I think someday in the future, uh, Bill and I will do a podcast episode about one of our personal passion projects, and that is photographing um, older people, people in their golden years doing interesting things. But um, as a photographer, for me anyways, I, I'll let Bill speak for himself, but a lot of photographers really like to seek out people young and in their prime with perfect skin and perfect bodies and and take pictures of them like they're models. And uh, I find the people who've lived a little longer life have few more wrinkles, a little more gray hair, and a little more interesting stories behind them. I find them way more interesting to photograph. We find one of the things we really like about taking photos is is also find the story behind it, whether it's a person or an animal or a situation. But yeah, older um, older people who have lived and in, in, uh, had some experiences of life, are, it's great to take photos of them. It's also great to be able to hear their story and and sometimes learn something you didn't know exactly our next picture was a more recent picture this was taken last summer and it's a picture of a little league baseball game and the picture is more specifically of a catcher um bill and i were invited to go watch some uh friends of ours had um their son was playing little league and they invited us to come watch the game and bring our cameras if we wanted to and of course we pretty much don't go anywhere without our cameras. Um, so Bill and I spread out. We're taking all kinds of pictures of this little league game. It's so fun because these kids take it very seriously. And um, I noticed that every time this catcher would catch the ball, a puff of, of dust would come out of his glove. And the sun again was just at the right angle to, to catch that. So I worked I worked pretty hard to get a picture because I was shooting through a chain link fence, which made it complicated. But uh, I managed to get one I was pretty happy with of this little league catcher and has got the ball just hit his glove and a big puff of smoke is coming out of his baseball glove. So this is one of my personal favorites. It's captured a moment in time. It's pretty cool. We got kind of a lot of good, fun pictures from that event. We got pictures of uh, our friend's uh, son. He was he was pitching, wasn't he? Or was he part pitching? of the game? He was pitching, yes. And uh, we have pictures of him where he's winding up and throwing the ball, and he's just the look of uh, concentration in his face. And 
and uh, he's one of the one of those people. I may be one of those people that when you really concentrate, you stick your tongue out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, he was pretty serious at what he was doing. He would, um, but it was well, it was a really dusty day too. It was so, hot. It was, it was a hot, hot, and day. muggy late August and. I know this was July because this is when the big family camp was happening at happening at Park of the Pines. And it's a busy week for us here work wise. And we snuck away for a little personal time and and watched the baseball game. Because I recall on the way home from this game, we got a phone call that the cooks from camp needed something from the grocery store. And we had to stop at a grocery store at 10 o'clock at night and go get the pita. (laughs) Something they needed that in any case. Um, yeah, I remember feeling like we had a couple hours of freedom to. Yep, just snuck away. Yeah, so this is a fun picture. Yeah, I don't. I think that Ruthie, the um, mother of the boy who was playing baseball, knew who this catcher was, and I think she shared this picture with the parents. I hope she did, anyways, because I know if it was my kid, I'd love this picture. Yeah, yeah. He's wearing Nike shoes. I wish Nike would have got a hold of me and said. We want to buy that picture for a thousand dollars. You got to send it to Nike and say, I think I posted it on Instagram and tagged them, but nothing. Yeah. You know, that's (laughs) the way it usually goes. I think this is our last picture in our personal favorites. Um, You want to talk about this? Yeah, this one was definitely from a few years ago, too. This might have been the same time that we. We were with, no, you know, this is when we were with Ryan. The first trip out to Yellowstone. First trip out to Yellowstone. And this is a picture of two, um, well, there's several people in the picture, but the two um, young boys that are in this particular picture. Twins. Twins. And they were, we were in, this is inside of a ski gondola. So it would have been August. We obviously weren't going skiing. Right. This was a, um, in the in the summertime. The Teton Village Ski Resort will run their go- ski gondola up to the top of the mountain for tourists. Right. And uh, we had just happened to get in the same gondola as these two boys and their parents, um, and they were uh, one of them was fascinated with the whole. Uh, being in the gondola and this gondola literally went right up the face of the mountain. You were like three feet away from the rock face. So one of them was fascinated and the other one was scared to death. Yeah. If you get a chance to look at the pictures, you'll be able to tell which was which, but um, these were the cutest little twin boys. Their parents were, were just good looking people too. And um I don't know. How old do you think these boys are in this picture? Seven, Maybe. eight years old? I wouldn't even say they're, they might have been six or seven at the oldest. Yeah. So the, the more outgoing of the two, you can tell he's really trying to get a good look of the view out the window and the other one's holding back just a little bit. And you can tell he looks a little, a little nervous of this sketchy gondola, but the one who looks a little more nervous is um, holding in his arm um, a copy of, I think it's a Ranger Rick magazine and it's specific to the Grand Tetons. Um, so I think I think that's funny. I wonder if I can only assume, but I wonder if one of these the twins is uh super outgoing and active and the other one's more of a bookworm. 
because that's how the picture makes it look anyways. Yeah, I wish we knew who they were so we could actually send them this picture. And this was taken so long ago that they're probably, yeah, they're probably grown men by now. Probably adults by now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wish I knew who the family was. I definitely would probably love this picture. So this is also one of those pictures that I don't, I'm not sure who to give photo credit to. Um, This was the trip that I only had a little point and shoot digital camera with me. And um, Lauren had the same thing. She had a, actually, I think her camera might've been a little better quality than what I had. Um, but we were on this gondola and we didn't want to be obvious about taking pictures of these two little cute twin boys. So we were kind of holding our cameras down on our knee and snapping pictures and hoping for the best. And um, uh, so I don't know whether this is Lauren's picture or my picture or whoever, but I just, I love this picture. And as a matter of fact, we had this picture blown up and it hangs in our house. I just, there's just something about it that, you know, that, it's about emotion, I guess, and that you can see too. One very excited boy, one more reserved boy. And for us, we remember that it was the Tetons, although you don't see any scenery in the picture. Right. All of these pictures that we've taken and we're talking about today is, is you quite often we'll say to each other, hey, do you remember that time when this went on? Yeah. And it's just a snap time that was a, a great memory for us. Yeah. And really for, for everybody, that's what your artwork or your photography that you have in your home or in your personal possession, that's what it's all about is, is if it brings joy and meaning and brings back memories to you, um, then it's, you know, then it's worthy of blowing up and putting on your, on the walls of your house. Yeah. It's great to be able to tell a story for, uh, yourself or company or whatever, but, yeah. uh, If I could go back in time, I think I would have approached the parents and just said, you know, oh, your boys are so cute. We snapped a little picture of them. Can we send it to you somewhere? But right. um, That moment has passed. That moment passed. It was a quick moment in time. And sometimes you just aren't thinking clearly enough. But I will say that when we got to the top of of the mountain and got off the gondola, Lauren and her friends scampered off onto a trail and did a little exploring. Bill did a little exploring and I kind of stood at, there was a a little, I guess a bar probably eh, at the top of that mountain. Yeah, there was a bar up there. I kind of stuck close to, I really felt like I might just fall, topple off that mountain if I leaned too far forward. The Tetons are pretty amazing. I remember you getting annoyed at Lauren and Ryan because they were bouncing around like a couple of mountain goats on. I know, like no fear out there, and uh, there was no barriers, no nothing no, stopping anybody not. yeah. from taking a slip and going down a long ways in a hurry. And the other thing is that when we were down in the parking lot, it was like seventy-five degrees, and so we didn't think anything about being cold when we got to the top of the mountain. But the top of the mountain was probably fifty-five degrees. It was 55 degrees. And while we were up there, a little rainstorm went through below us. <laughs> yeah, we were high enough elevation that a thunderstorm went underneath of us. That was crazy. Yeah. And uh, I remember as I was standing up near the the bar at the top of the mountain, an older couple. Um, they were probably in their mid-70s. You think they were in their 70s? At least. Uh, they were, yeah, they were amazing though. They... Uh, got up to the top of the mountain, and then they strapped on hiking packs, and not just day packs, like the big packs. Big packs. You know, with a sleeping um, 
a sleeping pad and, pad and a tent. And yeah, and they were they were hiking at the top of the mountain for three days. They were they had their route picked out on their trail and they were going they were gonna hike the Tetons for three days. I was amazed. Yeah, they were signing their paperwork. Anytime you go on some of the designated trails up there, you actually have to have a permit and you also have to I think it's a matter of logging in with the rangers so they know where people are at in case you don't come back. In case you don't show up. Yeah. So yeah, there are there are some adventurous people out there, and I'm not one of them. <laughs> and there were signs all over up there for bear signs as well. I am surprised that the bear liked that elevation, but... That's where they love to live, apparently. Yeah. And also there's moose up there, and moose can be equally as scary as bear. Yeah, you would never think that moose are up in the mountains, but, you know... Typically speaking, people always show pictures of moose in rivers, and they do like to eat the the foliage and stuff in rivers, but that's not where they live most of the time. So we usually like to end our podcast and talk about the picture that got away, the picture we missed, or the story that we never got a picture of. And so do you have one picked out for today, Bill, or... Boy, not really. I have one. Okay. And it it came to mind when I was looking at the picture of the barred owl. Um, One time, many years ago, when our kids were were quite a bit younger, we uh, were living in Sheboygan, but we had gone to visit family camp over at Park of the Pines in Boyne City. And we were coming home kind of late in the evening. And we took our favorite shortcut road that cuts uh, through a two track in the woods do you remember this? And we pulled in and we spotted an owl. I'm pretty sure it was a barred owl. Yeah. And then we spotted another one and then another one and then another <laughs> one. I think we spotted three or four owl or was, owls in yeah, the space it, of... It was a whole family of owls in this little tiny spot. As I've learned since then, what I think it was, was a family of barred owls where the owl babies, the owlets were just fledging. They were just leaving the nest and learning to fly. And uh, so we just happened to catch that that miraculous moment, but no camera. It was probably too dark to take pictures it, anyways. It was pretty dark, yeah. But we kept spotting owls. Everybody in the car kept, there's one, there's one over there. It was That was a pretty magical moment. I wish we had, wish we had video of it. Yeah, that was definitely a moment of time we should have had on film, but it didn't happen. It didn't happen. That's the picture that got away. Yep. So thanks for listening to another episode of the Winnie and Bill Chat podcast. Um, uh, New episodes come out every Thursday. If you subscribe to our podcast on either Spotify or Anchor or iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts, you will never miss an episode. So thanks again for checking in with us and I hope you have a great day. See you next week.